Welcome to the Diabetics Doing Things podcast. We've been telling the amazing stories of type 1 diabetics all across the world since 2015, and we have over a thousand years of living with T1D on the podcast. The interviews range from incredible feats to everyday victories, and we celebrate them all just the same. Thanks for listening, and if you want to get involved even further, just send me an email at rob at diabeticsdoingthings.com. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Diabetics Doing Things. We are telling the amazing stories of type 1 diabetics all across the world. Uh, my very special guest today is Andrea Arledge. Andrea, welcome to the show and thanks so much for coming on. Thank you so much, Rob. I appreciate you having me. Well, I'm always glad to uh, to meet new type 1 diabetics and I'm especially excited to hear your point of view on a few things. Uh, you are an RN, so obviously from a medical perspective, you've got a little bit more uh, experience and detail than most other type ones. Uh, and then also, uh, you are a holistic nutritionist, um, and specialize in autoimmune diseases and stress. So really excited to, uh, to dig in on a lot of fun topics. <laughs> yes, that's my, it's my passion. So happy to talk about it. Well, uh, interviewing and meeting other type ones is, is my passion. So look at us. We're just aligning in all sorts of ways. <laughs> I know. I love it. So um, before we dig into sort of the different, um, you know, topics that we'll dive in on, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and your diagnosis story and kind of how you came to join the type 1 family. Okay. So I was 15 and my grandmother was a type 1 diabetic. So when I started getting symptoms, because, you know, they come on really quickly at that age. And um, so I already knew you know, what it was. And I remember going to the doctor and thinking, I mean, literally I like stopped at Hardee's and ate a jelly biscuit because I knew it would be the last time. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so I I go to the doctor and my blood sugar was like 300, um, which, you know, really with all things considered, isn't that bad. I was going to say following a jelly biscuit from Hardee's, you know, so I was still in my honeymoon phase when that happened. And actually a year before that, I had just had a, um, a glucose tolerance test that just, you know, was like, oh, well, you're hypoglycemic and you're fine. And um, so anyway, I get diagnosed and go to my endocrinologist. And this is where I really feel like things really changed because she, um, the, the endocrinologist that I was seeing just put, put the fear I mean, it just, I, I feel like I left there with a death sentence, of course, because I remember, and this was, I'm 41, okay, so I put that out there, not ashamed of my age, but, um, you know, things were a little different back then, and she told me, basically, that, you know, you won't have children, or you shouldn't have children, and if you do, then you should have them young, and mind you, I'm 15, and hearing this, I'm like, okay, <laughs> and you're not going to live a long life and you, you know, you're not going to do things that other quote unquote normal people will do. Mm. And I remember leaving and just, you know, thinking, Oh my, my life is over. Um, because when you're 15, you know, you've already established these eating habits and you know, I mean, that's a 
that's a touchy time, you know, to for such a, a diagnosis. So, um, yeah, I, I feel like I lived in fear for many, many years. I actually, you know, in all of that rebellion, um, ended up pregnant at um, 18 and was a single mom for years. Um, and that really, you know, in all of these, I guess you could say, horrible things, but they actually have turned out to be my biggest blessing and all of the lessons that, you know, I've learned through all of that. So, um, yeah, that's, that was my diagnosis story. And then, but I I just feel like I've, you know, really overcome a lot of fear, um, and had plenty of years to do that. But, um, Well, before, before we get in on that, because I think that's a super important part of not only living with diabetes, but just living in general is overcoming fear. But I, I, something that I didn't even know, and this has become one of the reasons why I I live for this podcast and live for doing interactions with, with other type ones is because that those first few moments after diagnosis are so vital. And I I didn't know that going through I didn't, I was diagnosed at Children's Medical Center. I've said this before. I didn't know that I was being I was getting like the 1% of diabetes diagnosis experience. I had like the peak. I might as well have been at the Ritz. Yeah. You know, I had multiple oh diabe- my God, yeah. multiple diabetes educators, a positive outlook. They reassured me that everything was going to be okay if I took care of myself. And I didn't mm-hmm. know that so many other of my diabetes brothers and sisters don't get that. Oh yeah, and I'm so happy to hear that for you because it's taken years of like shedding these um, fears, yeah, uh, around this. But it's been a lot of inner work, and um, you know, I've really come a long way. And uh, yeah, I, I have some amazing stories of how I have conquered fear, and um, you know, that her telling me, "Oh, well, you won't, you won't do this, and you won't do that," and you know, if I could go back Rob and see her I would probably well say, and, uh, you know, yes I can <laughs> maybe not no I would be nice well I'm gonna and, be nice but I think too like there's no way that she could have known the impact that that would have on you long term mm-hmm. um, exactly and, and I think that's the you know I think there's a tendency to uh, for type type 1 diabetics especially ones on like Instagram or social media uh, whether that's like meme, you know, perpetuating memes or like, you know, drawing a line in the sand and saying, you know, I can do anything. And we t- sort of take uh, offense to it. And we have these like harsh edges to those things. Um, mm-hmm. But it's important to, re- you know, to say, hey, you know, as long as you take care of yourself, like anything is possible. And I think that was what uh, was told to me. And I think, go- you know, now if, if there's one thing that I could you know, anything that that comes out of spreading this awareness message is those, those moments for people are so important. And, the, you know, the way that we talk, um, the way that we talk about uh, our, our and are honest about our struggles, about our limitations, about the things that we do and don't do for different reasons um, and just say, you know, and the decisions that we make, because if, if we're not, you know, gentle with ourselves in those moments, we can fall down into traps really easily. Oh, yes. I, t- I turned into, you know, I mean, I have to go back and, and look at those years because I really did a lot of self-harm um, because I, I remember being so angry, just so angry at the world, you know, and um, but gosh, like what the, the life that I live now, of course, is completely different and I've totally reframed all of that. That's why I'm so passionate about 
everything that I do. I mean, I left my nursing career for all of what I do now. So, um, so I'm not a, an active practicing nurse, but, um, you know, I did that for 17 years and, um, just took a leap of faith to, um, cause I was like, we, we do have this one life and I want to live it to its fullest. So, well, I, I don't want to focus too much on the past then. Cause I think the, the, where you're at now and the things that you're working on now are, uh, you know, obviously the main focal point, but before yeah. we kind of move on to those things, uh, given what you know now, uh, for young girls diagnosed with type one diabetes who may not have had the peak or a proper even diagnosis experience or just the rhetoric around their, their life with type one, what's, what's yeah. one thing you would, you would tell them one piece of encouragement before we kind of move on to the next part of the podcast? just the, the same exact thing that you said was that if you take care of yourself, you, the sky is the limit. You can do whatever you want to do. And and I think too, that the psychosocial, psycho spiritual part of, um, you know, talking to somebody just, I had nobody to talk to. So I think that that is huge, whether it be a, a parent. Sometimes we, as a teenager, we can't always talk or feel like we can't talk to our parents. So I think that finding somebody who can really help you navigate those waters too. I mean, hopefully, you know, it would be a parent, but even a parent, I think about that too. Like if one of my children were diagnosed, like how would I handle that? And um, of course I would be a different <laughs> kind of person to handle that, I guess. But um yeah, to, to reach out and, and to talk good, and move <laughs> and breathe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I think that's a good transition into our next piece because I think now uh, a big thing, and I was just talking about this uh, earlier today, and, and so I think it's very, uh, it's very a- apropos for this conversation, is uh, moving and breathing. Um, mm-hmm. This year I discovered uh, one of my good friends put me on Headspace, uh, so oh yeah guided, guided meditation for the first time I'm a person who talks a lot thinks a lot uh, <laughs> is found it very difficult to find 10 minutes to sit down and quiet his mind in the past so the guided meditation really helps me doing that so that's been my sort of biggest favorite discovery of 2017 wow. it um, isn't it amazing when you discover that you're like oh, yeah and you're really engaging your here I come with my nurse talk that uh, you're parasympathetic a nervous system. Well, it, and that. It's, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, yeah. no, no. It's it's so interesting because I I do want to dive into the science of it because it seems you know, just recognizing things about yourself. Like I didn't know this about myself, but when I get stressed out, I stop breathing. Yeah. And so oh, yeah. and now I notice that and I'm like, oh, I can just breathe, and suddenly things get easier. It's it's yes. it's very it's very interesting. So. I really want to dive into that. So let's talk. How did okay, how cool. did you how did you come into, uh, you know, as you, first of all, outline sort of the journey that that how, what got you here and how did you get okay. into that, uh, and you know what has what has it led you to you know f- both from your diabetes perspective as well as just overall health and wellness. Okay, so um, you know after all you know doing a lot of the mindfulness stuff. Um, that was really introduced to me about six years ago when I started uh, practicing yoga and, and Reiki, honestly, energy. It's like a, a um, Japanese technique for healing um, or, or actually just relaxing. Um, but the yoga really introduced the mindfulness 
into, you know, like, and I was like, just like you, I didn't breathe. Um, And as a nurse in my nursing career, you know, running around, giving people pain medication and, you know, I've always had my shoulders up and not breathing. And um, as soon as that awareness came into my, you know, literally like this visceral feeling of I'm breathing, you know, and then I could relax and just focus. So six years ago, really, is when that all started. Um, and I had always known from that experience with that endocrinologist that I wanted to do healthcare differently. Like there was a way to do healthcare differently. Um, so I, um, practicing, yeah, the yoga and the, the, cause in yoga teacher training too, cause I ended up doing yoga teacher training. We had to meditate every day for, um, five minutes at least. So headspace definitely was a good one. Um, and breathe. And so we introduced a breathing practice and, um, we had to do a, a, a sauna or movement for at least 30 minutes and journal about this for, for nine months straight, like five out of seven days. So that really forced me to be aware of my body and to, I don't know. I don't know if that's the journey. I'm I'm struggling to find words here because I'm going back to my beginner's mind around all of this. And it's like, wow, because I've really come a long way. (laughs) But um, yeah, starting off with the breathing and there's lots of, you know, that's what I teach is a lot of tools to be able to quiet your mind. And um, an easy way to get there is through breathing to get you alkaline, um, to, um, be able to focus. So, um, I always knew that the, a whole more holistic approach was where I was supposed to be. So I prayed for about this for like six months before I left my nursing job. You know, that's fast forward six years. Um, but I had, you know, during that six years, I, I guess I should back up and talk about me, you know, when I was like 35, rock climbing, lower Yosemite falls. I remember being like, you know, I was told I wouldn't do this. Um, and I'm still alive. You know, <laughs> like I, I climbed and I'm still alive. I didn't die. Um, and backpacking all over like Montana and Wyoming for weeks at a time, knowing, you know, at such a young age, I was told I would never do that. So I think I just really started to live and, you know, and not think about these. I mean, and I, and I, of course, took care of myself. And and the technology now is um, phenomenal. You know, it makes it easier for you to take care of yourself and monitor your blood sugar and things like that. But um, well, and I think you know, I, I say this almost. I feel like a broken record sometimes. Uh, that that it is. I think today is the best time if there is such a thing to live with type one diabetes. Uh, because Ooh, of the technology, because of the medicine, because of the science and the care that we have available, uh, at least in the U.S., I think that there obviously are a lot of our type one brothers and sisters overseas who are dealing with a whole another set of problems. Yeah, um, yeah. Which is I important. agree with that. Yeah. So, and I think there's a part of that is like a little bit of a gratitude practice, right? So, talk about back to the mindfulness mm-hmm. piece and just be grateful that even though we have this disease and it is this this big thing in our lives that there is the ability to treat it and, you know, live with it 
relatively comfortably. Right. Um, on the other side of that, there there's those traps we talked about earlier, right? So as yeah. you were making those that transition, um, what was your self-talk like? How did you maybe soften your edges about talking to yourself while you were going through these big changes? Oh, I was um, – so my internal landscape or my internal dialogue, you know, it took, so it took some training to undo – all of that fear, um, and and that it's. I'm not going to say that it's not still there. I mean, you know, what I'm doing right now is um, almost like triggering <laughs> because it's more fear. You know, so fear is a big thing, I, I guess, with diabetics. You're right. And um, during that transition, I would say that it was just another practice in mindfulness that I would catch myself. You know like going down this dark hole or like not wanting to get out of bed. Um, you know, just like, Oh, I have to face another day and being exhausted even from my career. Um, it was like one day too, I just woke up and I knew after I'd prayed for a long time that, you know, I couldn't keep not taking care of myself. So that was when I made the leap from healthcare, like in the hospital to, what I'm doing now, but, um, it took a lot of, and I mean, there was a lot of internal struggle and just like, I'm a lot of fear. That was my main thing was just fear. And, um, I don't know. I just, I did a lot of journaling, a lot of journaling and I would actually too, and I still do this. Um, whenever something comes up like negative in my mind, I will write it down and literally burn the piece of paper to let it go hmm. because you can feel it in your body when you do that. You know, it's a real, you can put your hand to that or your eye to that, um, very physical thing. Like I'm letting that go, you know, and I, and I, I know I, I may sound like a broken record. I keep coming back to this breathing thing, but it's, it's huge for me. Huge. Uh, when did you discover and how did you, you know, through that practice, what was the, was there a, a moment that clicked or was it just, you know, the repetition? It was the, you know, when I decided to, to do yoga teacher training about two years ago, that um, it, it, things really clicked with the breathing thing because, of course, I was forced to do it and to journal about it. And because I'm so type A, I didn't realize that other, maybe I shouldn't say this, like people don't take it as seriously as, you know some other people <laughs> as myself. And so I did everything by the book, you know, di I um, journaled everything and, and did my breathing and my meditation and my yoga every day for, you know, five out of seven days for nine months. And that really, especially there's one breathing technique that just totally took me there. And, and it was in part of our like required reading for yoga teacher training. So yeah, that one, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> it's so, yoga teacher training. <laughs> but, I, but I think, you know, to your point, you know, I want to focus on being type A. Um, okay, I, yeah. I, th I think um, A, type type one turns a lot of people into type A. Um, yeah. Because yeah. All, all of a sudden there's something concrete that they can measure themselves to, which is both good and bad, right? Absolutely. Um, yeah, you're right. What, uh, what challenges do you, you know, do type 
and, and just talk through a few of them, uh, especially in this like very present, very mindful practice. What what challenges do people who are type one have with with the or yeah type one and type A excuse me type one and type A have with those type <laughs> of exercises because you know it's, it's oh not, well it's, it's it's hard to just like you said how you d- discovered this um, meditation it is so hard when you're type A to stop your mind that mental chatter is um, I mean that just takes practice to stop that mental chatter. But again, I mean, I think it's worth doing the inner work, the self work. If you really want to conquer, I mean, the word for me, obviously, as you know, by now is fear and, um, you know, just having the courage to move through that. And until you get, and this, this is really so important to me is the whole alkaline, you know, being alkaline in your thoughts and, um, in your body to be able to do that. So, um, type one definitely, um, presents its challenges. I mean, even think about, uh, the yoga, um, you know, you got to make sure your, your blood sugar's stable. Uh, even teaching yoga, um, can be a little rattling for me because I think, Oh, what if I get up there and my blood sugar drops or I, I teach lots of, of workshops and I'm always like, you know, just bear with me. And people are so much more forgiving than we think, you know, um, Oh my gosh, let's talk about that for a second. Let's dive yeah. into that. Because I think fear, you talk yourself out of things before there's even a problem. Oh. You, you, invent, oh, yes. you invent problems, right? Yes, yes, we do. Um, so, I, Well, and it's some, something that I typically talk about when I – I don't speak in front of people too too often, but when I do or like uh, a couple talks in particular, I go to like high schools and talk on like a career day or something. Awesome. And – you you talk to these kids and you try to you know say okay if I'm a high school kid I'm only going to pay attention for a few minutes I'm hoping that it's a good presentation uh, and I'm going to try to give them something that they can maybe take away with and something that I, was really you know jumped out to me especially as I you know I'm an entrepreneur I have this podcast I have this you know community but I couldn't have done any of it if I hadn't had if I hadn't had the help of others but even one step further than that I had to ask. And oh, I, yeah. but not one single person has said, no, I'm not going to help you. Yeah. That's been my experience too. And, and I'm really thankful for my, my mom. If it weren't for my mom, I wouldn't be, I, I wouldn't be here. I mean, I, I wouldn't have done all that I've done. Um, and speaking of speaking, I actually, this is a thing like I will be in Nice next May, um, speaking at a women's conference about eating for your spirit and keeping your spirit clean. And, you know, I'm already like thinking about like, oh, how am I going to like keep my blood sugar up and, and manage my energy being around all of these other people and nobody else is type one diabetic. I mean, so this is a thing, you know, and, um, I think that I would be lying, you know, if I didn't acknowledge that. So, um, you know, I mean, we got to get real with ourselves. So, yeah. um, yeah, but I don't, I don't want to like talk it up in my mind that I'm so like, oh, you can't do this because I can absolutely do this, you know. And so the whole public speaking thing is, um, yeah, I mean, you just got to make sure that your blood sugar's stable, do some self-care, do some breathing before you, you get up there. Um, and it's totally doable. And thank God for uh, 
my CGM for Dexcom because, <laughs> you know, that's what I use. And I even use it when I'm teaching yoga. And how cool is that that you can just flip open your phone and look at it? I know. And pe- now, one thing I will say about that is I feel like my nose is always in my phone. Like I'm one of those <laughs> zombies walking around like with my head to my phone all the time. And I'm like, but it's so awesome. And I'll, I'll tell people like, you know, this is this is my glucometer. And to check, you know, I use that to check my blood sugar. And they're like, what? It's on your phone? You know, and I'm like, isn't that awesome? So they're, actually, people want to hear more about it. And they're like, what is that? Um, pump how does that work and you know so people are just way more receptive and open and forgiving if you know if you mess up it it, it, yeah I mean it's all good (laughs) yeah and I think you know the, the thing that I like about the phone aspect or even the Apple watch is that it's a little bit more consumer friendly so for people who don't understand diabetes or don't you know want to get involved with needles or pumps or look at things that look like medicine, it doesn't look like medicine, you know? That is so true, yeah. Uh, and it doesn't feel like medicine either. So I feel like people are more empowered, like, oh, look at this cool thing I can do. Um, that There was an Apple ad um, about about the Apple Watch a couple, uh, last week, I guess. And in the, in the ad, all these people were writing a letter to Apple and one of them was a was a parent of a type one diabetic, oh, uh, cool. and it was just a cool like oh yeah like people with type one diabetes are out there they're in the like it's and it's not just a conversation that's negative it's like oh look at this cool thing yeah and oh I, I, yeah it's it's amazing I mean I wish I'd had this Dexcom when I was um, in the middle of Wyoming out of nowhere you know or, or like in Yosemite climbing and didn't have to have my glucometer, you know, I could have just looked at my phone, but anyway, it still worked with my glucometer. So it's still doable without that technology, but, um, you know, you just have to be more aware when you're in the woods for like two weeks <laughs> right. to make sure you're, that you're doing it, uh, you know, sterile. There you go. Uh, something that you talked about earlier, you mentioned like psychosomatic, um, response to, uh, you know, to breathing and I think just being, um, and you've mentioned alkaline a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, talk a little bit about that. Like, uh, and, and, oh, I think, yeah, part of it too was uh, talking to people about things um, and being open about uh, about diabetes specifically. For me, I'll give you, I'll give you a short example before you answer. Uh, yeah. My, I mean, just, just as a personal anecdote, and I'm not attributing it all to this, but before I had my last checkup before I started this podcast at the end of 2015, my A1C was 7.3. So not super high, but, you know, room for improvement. Right. Uh, a year later or so, my, after doing this for, for a year, uh, my A1C was 6.1. Uh, that is amazing. And and the I was very excited about it after my checkup and I, you know, put it on my Facebook and one of my friends who uh I am around the comedy community with uh comedy he's like, "Hey, well, what was the big difference? What would you say was the biggest change?" And I couldn't think of a lifestyle change that I made that was that different from a diet perspective or exercise except for talking about it with other people. Yes. Yes. I realized that part, I, and I, I wish that my mom, I mean, she was a single mom. My parents were going through a divorce when all of this happened, when I was diagnosed. And, and you know, I always think about, too, because I do a lot of trauma work with um, 
with, you know, my clients have experienced trauma. So we talk about eating for trauma and um, do some yoga for trauma and things like that. But um, I wish that she had the tools because I know that's what she would have done for me had she had the tools to, to send me to a therapist. But, you know, that just wasn't, we didn't have the, the money to do that. So um, I, I think that having somebody to talk to about it would have been huge for me um, because my mom lived in fear. Think about this because my grandmother had it and we knew her struggles. She worked in a cotton mill, you know, all of her life and um, never took care of herself. And um, so I know that my mom had that image in her head, you know, like, oh, my daughter was diagnosed. Anyway, so uh, she ended up in the ER with me at the same time. That's what we did way back then was we went to the ER to learn how to give ourselves shots on an orange. So um, she actually passed out because she had to give me my shot <laughs> before we went. And so we were there together in the ER, you know, and I was doing my diabetes education and, and she was making sure that her heart was okay. So, um, so yeah, um, just talking about it. Um, but two, you know, sometimes we can hit a wall with talk therapy. So that's where this whole like alkaline eating and plant-based diet and things like that come into play. And I'll put on my nurse brain or my nurse hat here too, for a moment. If, if you go back to breathing and you go back to like, that's one of the quickest ways to get alkaline. And when you're alkaline, like there's no disease that can actually exist really and, or be created in a alkaline state. So it certainly helps being alkaline. It's helped my blood sugars like immensely being alkaline following a more plant-based diet. Um, of course, I deal with Hashimoto's thyroiditis too, so I have to eat for that. So I don't think one diet works for everybody. That's not what I'm trying to preach here. But um, I think positivity, breathing, talking, alkalinity, I will say that, um, are all ways to you know, help you cope. I mean, as a coping mechanism, tools in your tool belt. There you go. And, and for somebody who, you know, is looking to try to get started into one or all of those things, uh, what is, what's your, how would you approach that? How would you have those conversations or start those conversations? Um, well, absolutely. I would, um, always in like my treatment plans for my clients is starting an alkaline diet and, and making sure that you're getting the nutrients that you need in therapeutic range. And this is a whole nother topic because like the recommended daily allowance is not, it hasn't been updated since like 1941. So, hmm. <laughs> um, as a holistic nutritionist, definitely. Um, to help you, um, or, you know, just go into yoga. I remember I was so fearful though. I made a private, um, appointment, uh, with my yoga teacher, um, because I was kind of scared that I would get low blood sugar. You know, this was years ago and I just wanted to make sure, you know, like I'd never done yoga in a studio. I was doing it by YouTube in the living room, um, for months and, uh, made that appointment with her and that changed everything. It just like all my fear melted away. And um, so that was definitely a time, you know, that I started integrating the, the more alkaline. And I could, because I got more alkaline in my thoughts with the breathing and the, even then, 
you know, the way that I was eating. So I think that a good place to start is, I mean, you can like Google an alkaline diet and um, green, think green, you know. Um, I, I, I try not to harp too much on the whole diet thing because I honestly don't think that there's one diet for everybody. But right. Yeah. The um, but yeah, the incorporate mindfulness. I mean, yeah, there's YouTube that you can find anything on YouTube and a good breathing technique, I guess that I, I would um, offer up is like alternate nostril breathing. Um, even like breathing. This was one way that, you know how you said that your mind, like you couldn't quiet your mind, to even like sit down to meditate. Um, starting like with your breath, like starting at 50, like on an inhale and then exhaling 49 inhaling to 48 so counting down from 50 until you get to like zero um takes practice but that was the really the the breathing technique that i was talking about in the whole beginning of this talk that that took me there you know to that place that i was like ah because with that alkalinity you can just create space to be more aware in your body I want to ask one question about because you said alternate nostril breathing. Um, okay, yeah. ex- explain that. I'm just I, I have an idea. Of, <laughs> I have an idea of what it is, but I want to make sure oh for everybody gosh. listening. Yeah. Um. So alternate nostril breathing. Um. You kind of. I, I don't know, Rob. The only way I know to do is to like walk you through it. Um. If you take, I always say make like a hang low sign with your hand, like your right hand. I'm right handed, so. Um, and then you take your thumb to your right nostril and inhale through your left and then close your left nostril with your pinky and exhale out your right nostril and then you inhale through your right closing that nostril off exhale left and one more round inhale through the left nostril close that left nostril off and exhale right well uh, if anyone could see me just look how silly i looked just trying, know, trying I, to figure this out <laughs> <laughs> and that's why i said youtube yeah I, the first time i was doing it um so uh, benefits yeah. of benefits of alternate nostril breathing <laughs> um focus actually it balances the left and right side of your brain um it introduces alkalinity which means you have more oxygen in all of your cells Um, and when you have that oxygen in your cells and have that alkalinity, you're just in this complete homeostatic state, um, where all of your, think about your endocrine system, all, uh, every bodily function, honestly, uh, just works better. (laughs) They works better together. It's a great way to. Well, and it's really interesting too, because I think when you apply this type of thinking to something like diabetes, which is something that you carry with you, uh, there's no cure for currently, obviously we hope for one day. Right. Um, looking at it holistically, like the whole life versus the quick fix, you know, we're in 2017 quick fix culture, uh, you know, for a lot of these problems that many of us face, not just as type ones, but just in general, it's something that there is no quick fix for. It's just a lot of repetition and being mm-hmm. present and continuing to work at it and learn things about ourselves and leaving us open for that. 
leaving us open to that beginner's mind like you talked about earlier. What, maybe there's two or three of these, what are the most important things to you for, you know, someone with type 1 diabetes to incorporate into their lifestyle or to, uh, you know, to to achieve a long-term balance in terms of whether that's health, wellness, mindfulness, uh, the all are all of the above. What what are the what are the the big oh, things? Oh, absolutely. I would say it's all of the above. Um, I mean, I, if you haven't noticed by now, <laughs> I love to breathe <laughs> because I have you know I didn't for so many years. So now I cannot express the importance of breathing. If you think about it too, like whenever you see somebody in the hospital, they're wearing oxygen. You know, and and that's getting them alkaline. So bringing oxygen into your body, um, whether that's with your breath or whether that's with food, um, is huge. And that paves the way, really, to mindfulness. Does that make sense? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Um, And and then with that, you know, this because you want to look at everything, mind, body, and your spirit, and even acknowledging, you know, that our spirit. is, is, you know, I think something, what was definitely left out for me in my whole experience, but, um, of being diagnosed anyway. So, you know, bringing that in, I I don't know. I think that, I don't know. I, I don't, I feel like I've been just divinely led through this whole journey with type one diabetes. I really do. And even in the bat, you know, when I was being the rebellious, harmful, you know, harming myself, I, I really think that everything happens for a reason. Um, and, and things, you know, are here. I mean, they're all lessons. If you take the lessons and learn from the lessons. So, yeah, I hope that answers your question because it's, it's, it's a large question. Well, and I mean, that's the hard thing about hard things. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and you kind of just have to accept that there there isn't a one answer. And, and I really like what you said earlier about, you know, there's not one diet because I think that way of thinking applies to a lot of things. Yeah. Um, and just like absolutes culture, I guess, you know, like this is absolutely the way or this there is no other way. Like, yeah, no, it totally depends on on your lifestyle. Exactly, and what you want, and what makes you happy. Yeah. It's just a, it's and, a, and if you have like other things going on in your body, right. I mean, so it's really eating for disease processes. And one thing that I, not a lot of my um, practice is uh, surrounding. Like I use traditional Chinese medicine to find imbalances and um, in your in your organs or elements. Um, so that's it's very interesting how it all works out. Like. Our body is so well designed. I know that our pancreases do not work, but our bodies are amazing. I mean, they really are. And I'm not I'm not giving up that there's going to be a cure, you know, in our lifetime. So. Yeah, and, and you know, I I have a lot of really cool I'm not, I I I dig into the science of food and like, you know, how the evolution of preservatives and things like this have, have gotten oh. have have taken us to a place where most of us are not very healthy in the in terms of what we fuel our bodies with um 
and you know I, I have some a couple of friends who were telling me about these uh, retreats or like ashrams in in India where you know you go and they cleanse your body like you eat nothing yeah. but ghee for like two weeks and then <laughs> and and then they you know build you back up based on some of the ailments you were having with food and and yeah. you know, feeds you the things that you need uh, which is very interesting to me uh, just for a lot of reasons but um, absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting. I think, and I think, again, it comes down to awareness. I think I was having a conversation with, um, another type one who is also a, an RN, um, and he's a traveling nurse and his episode hasn't aired yet, but when it does, I'm really excited to put it out because he specifically goes to rural areas, uh, because, oh, yes. because mm-hmm. people in rural areas don't necessarily think the way you and I are currently, right? Uh, because right, right, yeah. Uh, mainly just the core belief is different. Uh, they're not focused on health. Mm-hmm. They don't believe it's important. Um, yes. And so it's, it's you know. It's, it, I mean, it's, it's lack of knowledge. You know, right. they, they don't know what they don't know. Yeah. What do you think the biggest, uh, is that... I don't know what would you. What's the one thing you would do? Because that's a that's an entire another podcast probably. God, but. it is. I know because I tell you when I when I first, when I went to nursing school, my thing was I'm going to be a diabetes educator and I'm going to be on a Native American. Um, you know, I wanted to be on a. Um, oh my God, my my brain just I just completely forgot the word. <laughs> I hate when I do that. So I was, I wanted to work with the native American community because I really felt like they're, um, yes, this is a whole nother podcast. Oh my gosh. Um, they don't know. And, and it's so sad. Like the, oh, Rob, that is another podcast. <laughs> like I don't even like, oh, I have a lot of family in Western North Carolina and they, don't have access just because of where they are located and not near any kind of medical facility. So, um, that really, that really bothers me about that. And I I just don't quite know what to do about that. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. And I think it's, you know, it might be another, I'm sure there's another podcast out there dedicated to hundreds of episodes where they can dissect that. Um, I just I think about those people uh, because I know I, I, know. Yeah. I know I know that there are type one diabetics in among them that just don't have the information that they need, um, mm-hmm. and I, and I'm not put I'm not taking them uh, you know because there still is some personal accountability you have to be willing to seek and maybe not find what you're looking for for a little while I think a lot yeah. of the journey is in the trying to find it yeah but, you know I'm a big. Uh, you know, Zen master, Phil Jackson type quote person when it comes <laughs> yeah. to, you know, it's, it's not always about what you get. It's about, you know, what you learn in the process. And so, you know, you, you have to change a few things about yourself for that. And I'm, so I'm not totally absolving them of any blame, uh, if blame is the right word, but you know, yeah. I, I do, I do feel for those people because their, their lives, their lives are being cut short. Because, right. Because- and, and that's, um, and that's the part, the empathy part, you know, when, and I think that that's been one of my greatest gifts from all of this. And, um, in this whole journey, you know, being a nurse, being everything that I do, um, empathy, it's taught me to be empathetic. And I would say that that is the greatest gift is to be empathetic towards somebody. Um, but, you know, being truly able to put yourself 
into somebody else's shoes and be like, I get it. You know, even if it's not top one diabetes, um, that's the greatest lesson, I guess, that I've learned through all of this. Empathy. Yeah. And, you know, what a, what, what an ongoing lesson that is. Right? Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yeah, because, I mean, you're right. Sometimes you're like, well, you're just not, you're not trying. What are you doing? Are you doing your part? You know, and, um, but, yeah, I, I think that there is a certain, um, you know, we have to take onus of our, of our health. But, yeah, that, that's hard when you don't even know. You, you don't know what you don't know. So I feel for those people too. Oh, that's a whole, yeah. Mm. Well, uh, you know, I, I really, first of all, um, this has been an awesome conversation and I think it's always cool when you kind of meet somebody and align with them in a lot of the ways that you think. Um, but also a very enlightening thing about, uh, you know, an enlightening conversation in terms of, you know, what other things and what were trigger points and kind of taking you down this path and the things that you've discovered along the way. Um, as you kind of look forward to, you know, the next, you know, the next step for you. And I mean, you, you said you've already, you're going to Nice next year. You're doing a lot more, a lot of things. What are you most hopeful for? And, um, you know, is that even related to diabetes or is it, you know, anything else? You know, I, no, I mean, I, I try not to definitely live in fear again. I, you know, and of course it's sharing my story and, and overcoming, you know, all of these things that were put in my head. So, um, you know, I'm just looking forward to probably doing more speaking engagements, um, empowering women. Like one of my, I'll, I'll share with you a quick story. One of my clients, um, I just taught her how to make her own medicine. So, and it's, um, it was with a reishi tincture. So I've really been exper experimenting with plant medicine and the spirit of plants. And so I, I taught her a, a wild harvested this reishi mushroom, like the king of mushrooms for, and it's great for autoimmunity. And when I taught her to make her own medicine, because I remember the first time I made, I bawled like a baby the first time I ever made my own medicine. And um, <laughs> I named it, I love you mean it because we can seriously like not love ourselves when we, um, you know, when we have a chronic illness, it's like, ah, oh, you know, so, um, empowering women to be courageous, you know, to leave fear behind and reclaim their power. Um, yeah, just working with, I love working with, um, people, I mean, women or men around this, like empowerment and, and courageous acts, you know, that we can do to fight our fears. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. The more, the more we have of that, the better off we're going to be. Absolutely. And, and it's practice and it's surrounding yourself with the people who are, like you said, like like-minded who have that, who want your highest good, you know, want what's in your highest good for you. And, and I think that's so important is who you surround yourself with. Um, so yeah, to, to protect your physical and your spiritual energy and, and all of these different things that I could go on about forever. But, um, I definitely want to teach more of that. <laughs> well, in the spirit of that, um, if our listeners want to find you, uh, online, what, uh, what's the best way to, uh, to reach out to you? 
Um, well, my um, website, which, oh my God, I'm going to have website shame. It's not live yet. I don't know when this is going to air, but it's going live um, October the 9th. And the name of my business is Elements Integrative Wellness. Um, so that's my website. You can contact me there. And then my email address, um, which I get emails all the time, is Andrea Arledge, A-R-L-E-D-G-E, at gmail.com. So, yeah. Great. Well, I'll definitely include links to those in the show notes. And I believe that your episode will air after October 9th. So let, let you get, okay. all of your, uh, get all your kinks worked out of your website. And then uh, we will do that sort of probably later in the month, maybe into November. Cool. Cool. Maybe you can give me a heads up. I definitely <laughs> will. Definitely will. <laughs> thank you. All right. That sounds awesome. Um, well, thank, thank you. Thank you so much, Andrea. I really appreciate you coming on and, uh, and kind of blessing us with some wisdom and some really great uh, perspective. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you for having me. I, I really appreciate it.